right, guys. So welcome back to another episode of the PML podcast. And I'm super, super excited about this one because the guest that I have on today, it's, it's super, super achieved. Um, I'm going to say the name. You guys are already familiar with her. She's been on my Instagram. Uh, we've done a bunch of stuff together, but her name is Karina Mejia. She's from Evo. Welcome, Karina. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Awesome. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Perfect. I'm doing great. So uh, I know we were talking a bunch behind, behind camera, and there's so much to talk, um, you know, when it comes down to you, right? Um, I'm going to read a few things, and I was saying I never use notes, but with Karina, I actually had to come up with some notes because, like I said, there's so much to talk about. Um, so Karina has been in the industry for about five years. Her career started off, um, and, and you'll tell us a little bit more about it, um, it started off pretty much um, when she was was going to school in college. She she saw some interest for real estate and it became a passion. And now she's one of the biggest agents in the city in, in just a short term, five year term. So Karina, why don't you tell us a little bit about how, you know, your whole real estate career started, your background, wh what you went to school for, why did you decided to dive into real estate? Tell us all these good, all, all these good, amazing things you've done. Yeah, for sure. So it all started when I was in college and I took a class on real estate development. And I feel like that was really the spark of my interest uh, in the field. Um, but then I was it was my junior year uh, summer and I didn't have an internship. And usually people do. And some of my friends were saying, oh, I'm getting my real estate license. I had been told before that I should get into the industry. And I just thought, okay, well, I took this class. I like it. I don't have an internship lined up. Mm -hmm. Like, let me try this. And I did. And I realized really quickly that I enjoyed the flexibility, working with people. Um, at, when I graduated college, it was kind of just a side thing. I still felt like I had to take a legitimate job. <laughs> Not that real estate isn't now, but at that time, I felt like I had gone to, I went to Boston College, um, and I felt like I had to take a job um, adequately for using mm -hmm. my, my uh, education. So I took a job for a financial services firm in Boston for their real estate division. Okay. Essentially, I would do uh, commercial valuation, so appraisals for strip centers, office buildings, things of that nature. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was a, it was a good, looking back, it was great um, experience. experience, exactly. But at the time, I was sitting, and it was a great office, don't get me wrong, it was the, the uh, 34th floor of the, bu of the building in uh the financial district. What you but, want to do in, in finance, yeah, like the so typical you job. Yeah. That, you know, I'm look, overseeing the city and I'm like, this is great. There's nothing to complain about. But in reality, I was sitting behind a computer, behind an Excel mm -hmm. all day, every day, running formulas. And it just was so unsatisfying. Okay. And I remember looking around the office and there was not one person I wanted to be like. And wow. that, that was the red flag for me. I was like, mm, if there's, if the person who's here and it's been here for eight years, I don't don't look up to them, then what am I doing here? Um, so I realized, okay, it's time to leave this. I have my license. I had started to close a couple of deals. Mm -hmm. So I got a taste for what that was like. And I said, I had no idea if this was going to work out for me. I had no clients lined up. I just, I, I had no idea. My parents did not want me mm -hmm. to do this. They were like, why don't, my mom was like, why don't you just wait until you have a few more clients? And I'm like, mom, I'm never going to have the clients if I don't do this full time. Yeah. So I jumped ship and quit my job and said, okay, I'm going to do this full time. Okay. 
And that was kind of when COVID hit. And it was fine. I, there was months where I didn't have any clients. And then it just, I had a really good first year. Mm-hmm. And then last year was kind of explosive growth for me and really cemented. <laughs> 24 million, right? Last year, she says, it's just exposed knowledge, right? Or however you phrase yep. it. 24 million guys. That's, that's a lot of volume. And, you know, it's, it's amazing. Sorry to cut you off. I no. just had to throw it out there. No, you know? that's great. Yeah. So I realized, really cemented the fact that yeah. this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. It's definitely um, and something that I like to say is it's not like I was born and I was like, real estate is my passion, mm-hmm. nor did I even know this as I was getting older. It was something that was developed. I developed my passion for real estate by being active in okay. the industry. By doing it, I realized, oh, I really like this. I leaned into what I liked and realized that I, it's my passion. Mm-hmm. Um, so for now, I do see my foreseeable future being in the field um, I recently started a team. The goal is to grow with them and see where where this takes us. I mean, if you've done all of you done by yourself, I can only imagine what you're going to do with your team. Um, but something that you talked about um, was was leadership, right? And and that the place that you were working at, you you didn't really see kind of like yourself being like that leader or that mentor that you had at, at the particular um, job that you had. So so what was it that attracted you about, you know, right now you're at Evo, um, that attracted you to Evo? Like, what were some of those components? Because to me, leadership is super important. It's something that that I think we pride ourselves here at, at Premier Mortgage Lending. Um, it starts from the top. I mean, you saw how Mike walked in here today, super energetic, super fun. It's not, it's not, it's not fair. We really, you know, we really look up to him because of who he is and of what he's built. So why don't we touch base on that? And what was it about, you know, evil, the leadership and how important it's leadership for you and how are you going to plan on carrying that to your team? Yep, that's a great question. So when I was ready to uh, quit my job and go full time into real estate, uh, that's when I joined Evo. And what really attracted uh, me to them was one, they were doing a lot of business in East Boston. That's where I'm from. Mm-hmm. So right away, I was kind of captured by that. But also, they had a niche in development, and I, w- I, I looked up to Ricky a lot. Mm-hmm. And everybody was young and driven and motivated. I remember ha- sitting down with the managing broker, Ryan, and the conversation we were having, I was like, it got me excited. It got me inspired. Mm-hmm. And that I knew that I wanted to put myself in that environment. Mm-hmm. And at that time, Evo was had like recently begun. So it's not like they had a trajectory. It was more sh- more so that Ryan was selling me this vision and I totally believed in it. Awesome. And it's been amazing to be a part of Evo's growth. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to see what we all do together. Um, what I love about being at Evo is that there was space and there continues to be space for that leadership position. Like anybody can step up and say, why don't we try this? Um, because we're a startup, right? We're not, we don't have uh, the systems in place that some of these established brokerages do. Right, right, right. That allows us to have creativity and step up as a leader, which for me, I have realized is very important. To, it's very important to have that type of uh, 
opportunity or for sure, space. For sure. Because I mean you you are essentially the first team out of out of evil, right? Yeah. Um that you right. So I mean that in itself super innovative and it's showing that you're willing to to go to the next step and show that leadership uh position like you were talking about. Um that's something that that we pride ourselves here too. Like I said, um uh, I was the second hire in loan officer in the company and you know six years later we're, we're here right and we were just talking about this we started at a small um, company small office and and look at what what, what we built um but karina you, you've done so such so, so, so many amazing things and you've appeared on a bunch of different like like uh let's talk about like the boston agent magazine you've been uh let me look at my notes again because like <laughs> i said there's so many so many things that you've done um so we, we've talked about the um the Bigger Pocket Rookie Podcast. Um, she's been on the Boston Agent Magazine. She's been on Business Insider. So you have so many good like uh, nugs of, of knowledge to give. Why don't we, Why don't you tell us what what you see the market doing? Um, how you've reacted to the market in in today's environment? And what are some of those things that you're looking to do? Um, to essentially propel your 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 career into 2023, knowing that we don't even know what the market's going to look like. Yep. Um, so it's no secret that the market has slowed down, obviously, and um, in in some ways, I think it had it w- had to happen, right? I think we were in this frenzy that wasn't going to continue mm-hmm. or last. Um, now there is definitely a dramatic uh, decrease in the level of uh, the number of transactions. And what that means is there's the same amount of agents, same amount of lenders and just less transactions Mm -hmm. going into next year. I'm well aware of that. And I haven't taken that lightly. I'm every Mm -hmm. day. I'm like, what can I do that uh, will get me the same level or more business ideally than last year, knowing that there's going to be less business to go around. And part of that is leaning into things that are related to branding. So video, I recently mm-hmm. started uh, just batching content, doing mm-hmm. all of that. I'll be posting ideally about four videos a week. That's the goal. Awesome. Um, and doing things like this, more podcasts, um, saying yes to everything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of times uh, as real estate agents, we don't uh, want to take those all the yeah. lender meetings and all of this. And, and now I'm taking it from a frame of mind. Well, I don't know what that lender could bring to mm-hmm. me and or what I could give to that lender in exchange. So I'll take all the meetings now. Um, looking forward to next year, I think I need to dial down on prospecting. It's something sure. that for business was, cu- and, and, and it continues in a way, like I, I definitely have people who reach out uh, organically trying to work with me. But I know that in order to succeed in the coming market, I need to be the proactive agent, I need to be constantly prospecting, which in the hot market, I didn't have to do, right? So it was easy. Yeah. So that's going to be uh, the biggest challenge, I think, but I'm looking forward to that. In regards to where the market is going, I mean, so I don't know what's going to happen because the smartest people in the world yeah. don't know what's going to happen. But based on what I read and what mm-hmm. I've listened to, people think that where it all depends what happens with the uh, CPI index, right? Mm-hmm. If inflation uh, continues rising, we're going to continue to see the Fed increasing rates aggressively. We mm-hmm. all know that. We got got a break in the last CPI index. Um, I think the next one is coming up soon. Uh, yeah, December 13 or 13th, something like that. Yes. Yeah. 
So we'll see, right? We'll see what, what comes from that. Um, depending on how that looks, yeah, it, the Fed might continue raising interest mm-hmm. rates a little bit. We hopefully estimate that by this time next year, they should have come down a, a little bit as well. Now, are we going to see the twos and threes that we saw in the past couple of years? Probably not, right? right but if right. we see we're if we're back in the fours, that's a great place to be in. And I think people will just, there's a normalization that will happen in the market, right? So I think people get freaked out about the mm-hmm. fact that interest rates completely completely jumped and then they get used to it. Oh, this is a new norm. Oh wait, they just dropped two percent. Yep. They went from seven to five hypothetically in the future, right? Um that to them is saying now's the time to buy. Um so I think that the that will continue to happen in regards to the market will normalize again and people have to move at the end of the day. Business will be done. It's just a matter of will you and I be doing that business, right? For sure. <laughs> and, and and that's something that you touched base on, on your um interview at the business insider. I think you said um Karina Mejia is looking to expand her portfolio of properties despite of high interest rates. Um, that's super interesting because that's the same way I look at it. Can you tell us why, um, you're, in your own perspective, why do you still consider it a, a gray market to, to still continue to invest? And we're not saying that she has an investor, guys. We're talking about she already owns six investment properties. So she, she really knows what she's talking about here. And the fact that she's still considering purchasing investment properties in this, in this environment, you should really pay attention to the advice she's about to give us because even myself, I'm over here saying I got to step my game up and somehow catch up to her. So, um, yeah, tell us a little bit about the importance of, of why you still considering this type of market. Yeah. Well, I think it, it has to do with mindset and it's just, regardless of what the market does. And this is the same thing for as being a lender, an investor, or a real estate agent. There, Whether or not we're in a recession or we're going into a recession, it, whether or not we have to participate in that is the question, right? Um, internally, right? Only because the economy is slowing down doesn't mean that my business can't double. For sure. Um, so the same thing goes with investing. I'm not going to let the market... when. And on the other hand, there's much less buyers now, right? So there's opportunities to get deals. There's opportunities to negotiate. Sellers are are a little scared yep. of what's going on. Um, you can still. I, I, the, the the reality is that yes, interest rates are higher, but there are a lot of like credit unions and local banks and different financing options that are offering discounts. So mm-hmm. you can still get somewhat of a deal on that side. Mm-hmm. And um, if you're buying at a lower price point, it's the more most important fact because interest rates there they vary right they could come down and we could refinance we can't bank on that right we have to make sure that Mm -hmm. the deal still makes sense with the higher interest rates but if i'm getting a deal 100k below ask the market is is has always no matter what it does uh it goes up and down up and down it trends upward historically right so i know that real estate prices will come up Mm -hmm. and by purchasing at a discount, I know I'm gaining that equity instantly, essentially. And I know that because I'm playing the long-term game, which is for the rest of my life, sure. that interest rates will come down at some point, and at that point, I'll be able to refinance. I mean, in, in what, regardless of what happens to prices, I think this is what people get a little scared about is like, what if I buy now and prices come down a little more? Again, this is the long-term game, right? If you're planning on selling in the next one, two years, probably don't buy right now. Correct. But if you're in it for at least five, three, five um, and plus, you're you'll, gu- see you're, you'll be fine. Yeah. You'll see a return. Exactly. Um, 
Interesting. And, and, and talking about values, values always trending up. Um, you said you're an East Boston native, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we started there, right? Let's talk about East Boston for a little bit because, um, East Boston 10 years ago was, you know, an affordable, you know, area where, you know, the average, you know, worker can go rent an apartment and, and have an okay living. But we see it now. It's trending to become the next, you know, luxury spot of Boston. Um, how what, how did you see that change and how are you planning on taking advantage of it you know especially right now i know you you're one of the pioneers in East boston right now so talk, why don't you walk us through that change a little bit yeah so it's been very interesting i uh i recently moved out of east boston but i lived in east boston my entire life was born on sumner street in jeffrey's point and i remember when things were happening in the area mm -hmm. that were not good um, when I was much younger and people definitely would never have considered East Boston. And that's when, you know, you could rent a three bedroom for mm -hmm. 1300. Yeah. Um, clearly we've, uh, the, the neighborhood has developed mm -hmm. and I think there's a, a big divide, I think, between the community um, in terms of perspective around that. And I, in my opinion, is that it's it's a good thing. I, I think mm -hmm. it's, I enjoy, like I told you the other day, that I can still have this rich culture of Colombian, Mexican, mm -hmm. Peruvian food, For sure. um, Italian, amazing uh, culinary scene, and still enjoy the bar scene um, with new trendy restaurants. Yeah. Um, I love to see old housing get turned into beautiful housing that attracts people to the neighborhood. I think that's a positive for the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. um, I think obviously there's uh, considerations in terms of the population that exists and it's important to be mindful of that. But but in terms of how do I plan or how have I capitalized on that, I think it essentially just comes back to East Boston was my home. I know East Boston so well mm -hmm. um, that if you're like if I'm, I'm listing a property or a new development, yeah. um, I am perfectly positioned to be able to sell that property the best, in my opinion, over somebody who's not because I'm not only selling um, the property, I'm selling the neighborhood, I'm selling my experience and history in this area which is what in the lifestyle that that's i huge. have lived which is what people buy into at the end of the day that's huge Who who's buying in east boston like what type of buyer are you seeing are you seeing the uh because like you just mentioned uh east boston has always been like the mini columbia for us and, and sorry guys i never mentioned this but uh both karina and i are colombian so that's something that we both share and, and i'm super proud of because um we both done ama amazing things in the real estate world both her on the real estate side me and the lending side so you know i think we can both advocate for Colombian professionals. Um, but um, yeah, like I said, East Boston was always like the little mecca for us to go and feel like we, we were in Colombia. Um, and, and it's changed, but you know, who's who's buying? He said still the, the Colombian family. He said like you guys now, the, you know, the son, daughters of like the, the older generation. You yeah. Know, who, who is it? And I, I think that's actually a great question because while we do have a bunch of young professionals, even empty nesters mm -hmm. that are not East, uh, from East Boston that are coming into the neighborhood um, because of the price points and the attractiveness mm -hmm. of the neighborhood, we still have a big portion, a huge portion that is an Hispanic community that used to rent in the area that was able to create ownership for themselves. And a lot of them are those uh, Colombians and Hispanic 
like um, mm-hmm. households that are older than us, mm-hmm. and especially the younger generation. Um, right. I, I still think that we have that, and I think sometimes that is missed. Mm-hmm. And um, we have a good mix, I think. Now it's families, it's young professionals, it's even empty nesters. Um, they, I, I've had a lot. I've seen a lot of that lately. Mm-hmm. People who are in the suburbs, they want to be closer to the city. East Boston offers a, a very attractive destination, being that close to uh, downtown, the airport, and the waterfront, of course. Well, yeah. So why don't you tell? Well, now you, that you mentioned that, why don't you tell us a little bit? of the key points of, of why uh, people move there. Like you just mentioned, it's close to the airports, close to downtown. Um, why? You know, what, what are some of those key points? Yeah, so I think lifestyle is fantastic. I mean, if you're an act, whatever it is you, you like to do, if you're active especially, we have so many green spaces and public parks. We have really good access into the city, either via uh, public transportation or if you're uh, driving uh, via the highways, we're super close to the airport, which makes it a really good if you're, let's say you're a consultant and you travel all the Mm -hmm, time, mm -hmm. but also if you're an investor, because now we're thinking about models of, okay, long-term rentals do great in the area, lots of students um, and the feasibility into transportation makes it a great long-term rental market, but also being so close to some of the best uh, hospitals and the best schools and the airport makes it a great Airbnb and midterm rental um, investment uh, situation. So it's kind of a great neighborhood for all of those types of investments. And um, the the we return to the food, right? The culinary scene is amazing. And um, I think that the views from from East Boston are the best into the city, and people have realized that now. So when you get all of those things together, uh, it's a very attractive community. Couldn't agree more. Um, what do you see the trickle down on, on the uh, nearby neighborhoods or cities? Um, because obviously by the change of East Boston, um, I feel like all these other nearby cities are also going to be benefiting from the trickle down. Is that something that you're seeing? Like the Chelsea's, the Everett's, the Maldens, I oh. feel like... Hundred yeah. percent. So, adjacent neighborhoods will always see follow the appreciation of the neighborhood next mm-hmm. to them, right? And I think um, when we also have to think about what's going on in those neighborhoods that makes them rise, and uh, it also helps East Boston rise. So, because it's not just East Boston pulling these other ones up, it's vice versa. Everett has a ton of development going on. The the uh, politicians are very pro development, and they've laid out an easy roadmap. So we know development will happen. We know development leads to appreciation. So that's one one example, for example. And when we think about something like Suffolk Downs redevelopment, with half of it falling in East Boston, half of it falling on the Revere side, with the adjacent community being Winthrop and Chelsea, there is no way that a development of that size mm-hmm. isn't going to massively transform those neighborhoods. So if anybody's looking to invest into an asset that is very likely to appreciate I would consider those neighborhoods. Oh, wow. I mean, guys, if you guys are looking to really get your money to work for you, consider, you know, reaching out to Karina and consider like those towns that she just mentioned, because there's a lot of change happening, right? I'm assuming I see, I mean, I drive by these towns and and there's so much change. So there's still a lot of opportunity out there. Hit Karina up. She'll she'll really make sure that you guys get you know your, your bank for your money. Um, another thing that I want to talk base with you is is there's so many things, so many directions we take we can take this conversation with you. Um, but it's goal setting because it, it, I can I can only imagine someone that has achieved so much in such a short 
term career. Um, I mean, five years sounds like a lot, but we all know it happens like this. And the stuff you've achieved, I mean, it's, it's quite amazing. Um, how did you get there? How, wh- what do you do in, as far as goal setting? I know you guys just were doing like a little goal setting, um, um, you know, meeting yeah. or, or event. Yeah. Why don't you, how yeah. important is that for you? Are you a super uh, uh, detailed person? You got to lay it out, the roadmap. Yep. Um, I think that's, so I'm not yeah. super organized. I need to find myself somebody who is, but, <laughs> but it all started, it's, this all comes back to mindset, right? And it all started, I think for me with, when I was in college, I stumbled upon bigger pockets mm-hmm. and I just started reading and, and I was like obsessed with their podcasts and their uh, forums. And mm-hmm. I guess what I was really obsessed with is to intaking that knowledge. And um, that mindset of, there's a lot of people trying to achieve something, right? Which is their first rental investment property and things of that nature. It it started to change the way that I thought, let's put it that way. Um, and uh, when it comes to goal setting, I started, and the way I goal set now is very different than before. I think before maybe my, my goal was, okay, let me buy my first investment property, mm-hmm. right? And that has led my path in investing has led me to masterminds and being mm-hmm. surrounded by people who are a lot further than me and have left like kind of their mark on me to say. Um, for example, now my goals are a lot more dynamic or inclusive, should I say? Mm-hmm. They're centered not just around one item, but um, literally categories. And you're right. Last night we were. I was. I was attending a, a goal setting masterclass. And we, this is exactly what we were talking about, setting our intentions for 2023. And, uh, I, I'm pretty detailed. I set my goals at the, at the end of the year for the coming year. I track them and I try to stick by them. Um, Mm-hmm. When it comes in all facets, right? So whether it's health goals, economic goals, family goals, uh, ed- educational goals, like there's all these different categories. And I think it's really important. I think that setting goals is creating your, your own destiny. I think manifesta- sure. manifestation is a reality and we are not going to get where we want to go if we don't have a clear understanding of where that even begins. And when I talk wow. about goals, they need to be uh, specific, right? They need they need to be measurable. They need to be actionable. They need to be uh, trackable. Um, mm-hmm. So not just saying, you know, I want to lose weight, but saying I'm going to lose X pounds by this date. And, I'm, and then in order to do that, you lean back into habits. So what habits do you have to change to, to achieve those goals? And then you start tracking those habits. And that's where the change really happens. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we do the same here. We actually teach uh, a class about goal setting because we kind of do the same. Um, right around this time, we sit down with Mike and and we break down essentially how the year went, like this year went, and and essentially where we want to go, go next year. And I agree with you 110% because goals do have to be, be, be trackable. You have to be able to, you know, look at your progress and, and look at the activities that you're doing. And if those activities are bringing you to the, to the success that you need, and if, if not, then reassess the activities, which leads me to prospecting again. I, I, you say you want to dial in your prospecting and, and you got to maybe not do more because you've essentially already built your own brand um, in, in a way. And people do want a transaction with you because of, of who Karina is and what Karina brings to the table. 
But I'm really interested to hear um, what are what are some of those prospecting strategies that, that you're looking to bring on uh, uh, in 2023. I know you mentioned video already, uh, you know, doing five videos a week. Um, but what are you going to be looking to do to get uncomfortable on the prospecting side? I mean, I know as salespeople, there's always uh, something that makes us really uncomfortable and, and we try to avoid it. Yeah. Like, for example, for us, it's probably cold calling real estate agents. For everybody. Yes, yeah, super, super uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, what are some of those things that like you're looking to like get out of the comfort zone to for the prospecting and and, and yeah, boost your business? hundred percent. And before I get into it, one of the things that I love about being an agent is it ties into the goal setting thing. It's like there's no ceiling, there's no um I can always set new goals and try to achieve them, and that's literally what our career is set upon. Like mm-hmm. and, and I love that about it. Now, in terms of what am I gonna do to uh, make myself uncomfortable, one is uh I'm leaning into what I see that is working, the videos the networking Mm -hmm. and uh, everything brand related, so to say, but I know that I have to make the calls and Mm -hmm. and that does make me uncomfortable uh, because I haven't had to do much of it, but I think I'm getting to a point where I know that I have to do what's uncomfortable to grow. Like what got me here is not going to get me to where I want to go uh, next year, right? So in that in that gap, I need to fill it with other prospecting items like mm-hmm. calling. Well, and for me, it's mostly uh, calling. I think that that's the real right, right. Uh, differentiator uh, for what I'm going to go into 2023 with. And where do you want to go in 2023? What's like that? What's like you want more developments? You want what's what's Karina looking to do? Would love to list more developments, um, but also want to grow my business. I'd love to, you know, I'm just going to put it out there. I'd love to hit 50 million. That is a, a pretty big goal um, and pretty ambitious, whether I hit it or not. Um, that is not the end of the world, more so the process of trying to get there is what's really going to matter for me. And uh, I want to systemize my business a little more. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hire an assistant next year. There's definitely some big goals for me into the coming year, which is scary when you're thinking awesome. everybody's talking about a downturn and less transactions and lower uh, income. And I'm thinking like doubling my in- doubling my growth, doubling this, doubling my expenses. So that is scary. But I, I do think that that's that's a differentiator. If like mm-hmm. if I can really do these things that I am planning on doing, I think when the market turns back, it'll I'll only be rewarded for it. Yeah, I, I'll think you hit 50 million. No problem we'll with, see. with your attitude and the mindset for sure. The attitude, like you said, attitude mindset. I think uh, you'll hit it 110. percent And anything that we can do for you as an organization will help you get there. I mean, you know, lean on us. We'll we'll love to help you get there, um, Karina. And then I think to cap it off, uh, there's something that that I want to ask, and more so like not ask, but how about like advice? Advice for like. That young professional, um, you know, that's looking to dive into real estate, whether they're, they're, you know, in your situation, you were in college, um, working towards like the dream career or whether they didn't go to college and, and, and they don't know what to do with their future. Um, what advice would you give them? And, and can you recap on the importance of, of everyone, um, considering real estate as, as investment or long term plan? Um, because I feel like more younger people should really focus on the importance of, of our careers in both the, whether lending or, or the real estate side of things and real estate investing itself. Yeah. So that's a two part question. And I'll go with the, the first part. So when it comes to advice, um, I would say environment is the most important thing, right? So whether, and the environment is everything we consume, what we listen to, what we read, 
the people we place ourselves around. And when I was starting, I don't, I wouldn't have had, for example, the realization of when I was in that office setting, uh, to my thinking to myself, there's nobody here I want to be like, I should leave. I wouldn't have had that realization if I wasn't constantly feeding the podcast, telling telling me that right, right. you shouldn't do, you shouldn't stay in situations like that, right? So all of that is super important, but also getting around like-minded individuals. Um, that's why I put myself in networking events. I go to masterminds. I join the brokerage where we're all young, driven, and motivated. That matters. It matters into your, it matters so, it's probably the thing that matters the most. If you're trying to invest or if you're trying to become a real estate agent or a successful loan officer, right. the first thing I would do is find your tribe. Find a group that you can get around and find somebody that you look up to mm-hmm. that you can learn from. Like there, that is that is the roadmap to success. If you try to do it on your own, good luck. Yeah, forget about it, right? <laughs> good luck. Um, now, the second question is the importance of real estate. Yep. This is something I feel very passionate about. Um, now, obviously, I'm living th- uh, kind of through it and mm-hmm. trying to reach financial independence. And the I think real estate is the best vehicle for people like me and you to gain generational wealth. I think people don't realize two things. One, how easy it is to do. And I think they they think of it as this massive undertaking instead of breaking it down into, okay, I just need to save X amount. And you, you I mean, with with $15,000, you can control a $400,000 asset. With $35,000, you can control an asset worth a million dollars. Facts. Do people understand how powerful that is? I mean, we're not even talking about, we're talking about loan, loan pay down, equity buildup, appreciation, tax benefits. You can live for free. I mean, you can, you can live your life by design one property at a time. And I'm not talking like, okay, start with 100, right? We're just starting with your first one. You can buy... A four unit with an FHA loan with three and a half percent down. And it can massively change your life. You just take one property at a time. I feel really strongly about this. Obviously, that's why I invest in real estate. Um, and I, I, I think that it's super powerful. I think that people should be considering it, um, especially if you're young, because it's not, it's all about time in the market. Everybody knows that. We're going to end it there. I mean, that's awesome. Guys, if you're not motivated after this, uh, after Karina's explanation as to why you should consider real estate in that, whether it's becoming a real estate agent, becoming a real estate invest, investor, becoming a loan officer. I mean, guys, it, it, you could have, you could have your normal full time job and still consider, you know, real estate. Um, so Karina. For, for the young professional or, or that buyer or that investor or that developer out there that's looking to dive into real estate or purchase their next property, where can they find you? I would say the best place is my Instagram, which is Karina underscore Mejia with two A's at the end. There's a few f- fake oh, ones out yes. there. So be careful. <laughs> be careful. Uh, but it's a real one. And guys, you know where to find me. Uh, Juan Palacio, 978-746-1125. Karina, thank you so much. I feel like you and me can go like for four or five hours. So, but here's the thing, right? This is the first time she's coming on here. We're going to make sure she keeps coming around with, you know, every time she does something cool, I want to bring her on uh, because I feel like she's really connected, uh, not only with the youth, but she's connected with real estate and she really knows what she's talking about. So hit her up. Karina, thank you so much. Let's do it. Appreciate thank it. you.